The word of the Lord from the Gospel of Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 12th verse, Jesus said, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I'd have to say that with the social distancing and the restrictions that are in place, I'm not sure I would have expected anything close to that type of music and singing and playing and so forth for a mighty fortress on Reformation. And for that, we can certainly give thanks to our musicians, but uh, ultimately to our God. That he has promised that no matter what the circumstance, he knows, he understands, he will give to his people so that the victory will always be ours. The kingdom ours remaineth. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Those of you here in this worship place and, and those of you joining us in any way. Martin Luther wrote the words of that hymn as we certainly have had the opportunity, many of us, to sing countless times. And one of the things that I think makes it so powerful is the fact that it was written by someone who knew what hardship was, who knew the trials of life, who experienced the pressures, who even was familiar with violence. And to write such a victorious and confident hymn, I think, adds to it all the more. You see, what we often don't know or think about, and which is so much about something that happened 500 years ago or so, for as we celebrate the, the day that we would say the Reformation began, namely October 31st, 1517, the Reformation was actually a movement that lasted for any number of years. What all happened during those years? Well, we get bits and pieces that we study here and there. And, and Luther, as you know, was, um, was a very prolific writer. And he wrote all sorts of things. And so we can glean from that and from history the types of circumstances and conditions that he was in. But one of the things that we may not always be mindful of is exactly what the world was like in his day. And how could we? But apparently there was a time of what I think could be called social unrest. There was a what was called a feudal system of land ownership and relationships between princes and nobilities and the peasants or the serfs. And it seemed as if these types of assignments in society were cast in stone, that there was no way to get out of those arrangements, that things were unfair. Now, whether or not Luther's words 
and his boldness in the Reformation in which he ultimately would challenge the authority of the church of his day and the leader of that church as well as insofar as the secular government and the church worked together, he also challenged the authority of the emperor of the day. And you can read all about that. But whether that movement, his words directly inspired or quote, caused what would follow in what was called the peasants' revolt, is certainly debated by scholars and historians. There was a movement then of those who felt that they were being treated unfairly, that society had its deck stacked against them, and that there needed to be changes. And so this group, as it gained in momentum and energy, put together its grievances, and, and tried to get that message heard by the powers that be. Luther, in what was called an admonition to peace, addressed the circumstances, and he recognized that the grievances of the peasants were indeed legitimate that there were things that were not right about the nobility and the princes that would live in luxury at the expense of other people. But when the revolt or the uh, movement became a rebellion and it took to violence and it began with peasants and lower knights and, and some others in society, urban artisans and so forth, as they were not heard or they felt not listened to, and they bring their violence then against businesses and homes and churches and monasteries and castles and burn things and looted things. Luther also wrote, against them. He wrote in a letter addressed to them that, that one should never take violence in rebellion. In fact, he makes it clear that, that he would say that it is the duty of a Christian to, if necessary, suffer injustice. I don't know how popular a message that was at the time. But it didn't stop anything. The momentum kept building and, and uh, so-called armies were gathered and the princes in response then gathered their own armies and with the support of the empire and they crushed the rebellion in a very powerful and even bloody way. In a little clip that I'm going to share with you from one of my favorite movies, especially this time of year, the, quote, Luther movie that was produced by Thrivent a, a number of years ago. We're going to see Luther getting a tour of some of the destruction, and, and he had had a chance to see many people who had died in battle and were crushed. And he says to his colleague Spalatin, he wants to know how many people died in this. And then we hear the answer. 
does indeed tell us that in the years 1524 to 1525, somewhat into 1526, there was in fact approximately 100,000 deaths from the Peasants' War. And to what extent Luther felt responsibility to what extent Luther felt that, that what he believed he was called by God to do, even if it had been led astray and directed in, in ways that, that he clearly would disagree with, imagine the burden that he carried. And to think that he was in a circumstance where his colleague would say, hey, Luther, you may need the ones who crush these people someday. You may need them to save you. Can we appreciate a society like that? So when we hear him say, take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, could you imagine? If that were to happen, or what the circumstances would be like if we were called to make those sacrifices? That's why his words God uses to uplift us in the faith. Because even he could say, the kingdom ours remaineth. Well, it really in some way should not come of any surprise that the Christian church would experience hardship, persecution, and even violence. For isn't that precisely what Jesus was talking about in our gospel lesson? John the Baptist, his relative and contemporary, who had been preaching and had been baptizing people for the forgiveness of their sins, but who was challenging the religious authority of the day, he had been arrested, thrown into prison, and eventually executed. Jesus knew that there were hostile forces that were plotting against him all the time. He knew what would await him in Jerusalem when he went there for that final Passover and so it is with that knowledge 
as well as his knowledge of the fact that the Christian church from that time on would be subject to violence until the end of time. That Jesus said those words that we heard before. From John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. You know, at this point of the message, I have to agree with my wife, who after hearing the message last night in church, and I looked to her for, you know, feedback and so forth, and, and she's always so supportive and, um, and uh, very uh, uh, careful in how she, she, she phrases, even if, if there's some criticisms and so forth. But last night she said, you know, that was really a downer. And she made me think, certainly. And on the one hand, of course, I had to defend myself. Was say, well, it is a downer. Look at the message of Jesus. This violence, the entire gospel lesson is, is kind of a negative thing. Look at the life of Luther and what he lived in. And then look at the circumstances that we're in today. What seems to be a growing animus towards the Christian church. Something that I'm sure our parents and grandparents never dreamed would happen. At least not this soon. Such that even our own community has been referred to as a faith-based community. Which under most circumstances, I would assume that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. Thanks be to God. But in the context of how they were just spoken, faith-based community was another way to say a community that doesn't know how to deal with things like social justice and racism. Such is the animus growing towards the Christian church. And so what are we to do? Well, I think always whenever confronted with the, the dour, the serious, the, the, uh, the brutal truth. I believe the Holy Spirit uses such things to call us to repentance. For that's where it all always begins. As Luther would point out, the great doctrine of the law of God's word, which accuses us, which holds the mirror up to us, which points at us and says to us, as did Nathan to David after his sin of adultery, you are the man. We need to hear that. Why is it that the, the society would have growing animus toward the Christian church? Why is it that, that it's used in a negative way instead of a positive way? Is it because we have not lived our lives in such a way that, that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Have we lived our lives in such a way that we have demonstrated that our commitment to the Lord is, is waning? Look at worship attendance, COVID notwithstanding, what has that been in our congregation and the church at large over the last decades? 
Where is the commitment that, that has been there and the understanding of the joy of it is to be a Christian and to witness to our faith? The Holy Spirit calls us to repentance. And when we hear this word, we must realize that Jesus has never promised that the church would not experience hardship. But one thing he has done is he has promised that that world's hatred and violence he can always, always use to the furthering of his kingdom. For if in a time that was coming out of the dark ages where, where even the church had, had lost its way in the days of Martin Luther and had focused, it seems, so much on power and authority and money and so forth. If even in those days the Lord could use those times to raise up the truth of the gospel again. Of what the truth of scripture was all about and if Jesus, knowing the violence which he would experience when he went to Jerusalem for the last time, that he would use that. That it was part of the Father's plan that that's precisely how Jesus would save the world. If that's what he's able to do with the darkest of hours and with the worst of times, and with the threat of persecution and violence, then what is he able to do today in our lives but to stir us up in faith, to remind us that that same God who promises that our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us, that he is with us. That he has taken our guilt and removed it and now by the power of his Holy Spirit fills us with his grace so that we look at these days and see not despair but opportunities to bring the love of Christ to those who are hurting, to those who are in darkness, to those who do not understand. Is it the church's darkest day or is it the church's finest hour I think Luther summarized it so well and take they our life goods fame child and wife though these all be gone the victory has been won the kingdom ours remaineth in Jesus name Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.